0: I get back and I'm thinking to myself, where do I start? And, um, you know, we heard, right? That song, right? When, when God shows up, when Jesus shows up. Paul even said, it says, proclaim Jesus. Proclaim Jesus, right? Because he is the answer. No matter where I walked, whether it was in Rio or in San Paulo, he still is the answer, right? But the problem is sometimes, you know, we don't present Jesus. And Paul says, listen, I'm going to declare Jesus. I'm going to make sure that you have an encounter with Jesus. And today, I want you to have an encounter with him. Not with me, but with him. I love how Bill Johnson says, listen, you know, if you came to hear me, you're going to be disappointed. And, Jill, and you know, and he's, he's, a, he's a man of God Who has a lot to say, but he knows and recognizes that without Jesus, nothing. John 15, 5. If I'm not abiding in the vine, what happens? I'm just just no life in me. Because Jesus is the life. All right, so I'm gonna go into a little Brazil and then we're gonna get right into the message. But you know what? How's everybody doing? Good? Good? Awesome. So Um, They have these beetles in uh, Brazil, and so when we would turn the lights on at night, we were outside in a compound. We actually slept in a pretty decent place, and uh, I always wondered, like, these beetles, they would go straight for the light, And and I was wondering, like, and then all of a sudden they would drop and hit the ground, and then they would be laying on their backs like this. And I, and I thought, this is amazing. And it wasn't just one. There were a lot of these black beetles in Brazil. And so I'm, I'm asking them, what, you know, what are these beetles? And they call them the Hallelujah beetles. <laughs> hallelujah beetles. Why? Because they go for the light. And then as soon as they hit the light, man, they're on the back, on their back like this. <laughs> you know? And I'm thinking to myself, what a picture of what happens when we... Should encounter Jesus, right? So I'm thinking all these hallelujah bugs. So I was telling this yesterday to my niece, and I was saying, you know, this is amazing. Like, all these bugs, like, they're on the back. And then I I showed her this huge frog the size of my hand. And this frog would come up, and he would just go, and I have a picture of this frog coming out. And his tongue just comes out, grabs that beetle, and disappears. And then my, my niece says to me, yeah, hallelujah for the frog. He's saying hallelujah too, right? (laughs) But as I was there and I I looked at these beetles and I thought about our encounters with Jesus, right? Because when we encounter Jesus, the real Jesus, the one that says, I am the bread of life. I am the water that will satisfy your thirst. Come on. I am the deliverer, right? I am the resurrection and the life. I am the healer of broken hearts. I am the one who forgives. When you encounter him, you come on fire. (laughs) That's what you do, man. You come on fire. That's what happens. That's what happens, folks. You come on fire. That's what happens. You see, you see, when we look... When we look at the Word and we look at when people have encounters with the real Jesus, we know they're going to come away and they're going to be changed. There's going to be an encounter. When that woman was at the well, the day that she went to the well, we know that she was coming for water, but there was someone at that well that day that she would encounter and who would know everything about her and also offer her life. You see, when we come to Jesus, He offers us life. I remember back when I was looking at planting a church. I was in this, in this church. I won't name names because some people, oh, you know. But I was in this church. It was a traditional church. It was about 300. And I was an assistant pastor at that time. And I remember getting a phone call and this phone call was from another group in another community, and they'd been praying for two years, and they have been asking Jesus to have a church in this community. And so they called me on the phone, and I started thinking, you know, this would be really good. This would be good, right? Because that's what God wants us to do. He wants us to reach others, and he wants us to go into other communities, and they're laying the ground, the foundation, right? So I got on the phone, and I said to them, listen, let me talk about it. So I shared it. And maybe that wasn't a good idea because at that time they were looking at another leader coming in, and uh, this senior guy was gonna come in and um, into the church and 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 he got wind of this. I this was this was going on. And so he kind of he says to me, he says, listen, he calls me into his office because he had got wind of this that you know, we were thinking of doing this, reaching out. Now you gotta understand, okay, um, I wasn't thinking of doing this separate but I was thinking of doing this within the church, okay? So I thought that was great. Great idea, don't you? I mean, come on. Isn't that what we're about? Reaching, going into all the world, right? And so um, I thought it was good, but he, he said to me, I remember him having that conversation with me. Here we are, and he's saying to me, Lloyd, which hockey team are you playing for? Yeah. So I thought, which hockey team am I playing for? Wait a minute here. I thought this was all about the kingdom, right? And we're supposed to bring Jesus into these places. And I thought, wait a minute, which hockey team? And he says, listen, we're only a church of 300. But if you stay, if you stay here, I'll make you a superstar. If you stay, I'm going to make you a superstar. And I thought to myself, wait a minute. Doesn't Jesus make you a superstar? right? And so I started thinking, okay, you know, and, and uh, then the elders approached me and said, where are you at? What are you going to do? And I remember at that time, my family and I, kids were small then, four kids, you know, all small. and We're ready to go on vacation. This will be the first time from British Columbia going to Ontario. But I knew in my heart that God wanted me to plant that church. I knew that that's what God wanted me to do, right? But I wrestled with that. I wrestled with that. And I said to myself, I don't know what to say. And I remember saying, and I said the wrong answer. Because I didn't want to forfeit the vacation. (laughs) But at that time, I remember saying, I'm not sure, but I probably will, you know, say. But I knew as soon as I did that, there was this burning within me. There was this burning. When I took my family, we drove. I remember the first night. I don't know where it was, but I remember we were camping. And I didn't get even a wink. I didn't even sleep because I was just, there was a sweat in me. I knew that God was doing something in me. You see, when you encounter the fire of Jesus within you to do something, when you encounter the fire of Jesus that calls you out, you cannot say no. You cannot, because it burns. Jeremiah, in the word of God, he says it burns in me. You know what it's like. Sometimes you're in that situation, right, and it's burning. You know the answer, right? And you're asking, Holy Spirit, let me tell you what the answer is. Let me tell you what the answer is, right? Because we live in a, in a culture that darkness is increasing and unbelief. But wait a minute. This is such an opportunity. Don't look at it. This is like, hey, this is our time. We've got the light. We can shine. We've got the fire of God, and we're going to burn. We're going to let it burn. You know, there's the song that we started to learn in in Portuguese. It's actually a Portuguese song. I I think it would be awesome to translate it in English. It's called Deja Queima, Deja Queima, Deja Queima, which is let it burn, let it burn, let it burn. And they're burning. They're burning there. They're burning. And God wants to burn here. God wants to burn in this nation too. God wants us to go. God wants us to be those kind of people that stand out. So here in this situation, what am I going to do? Well, you know what? I need an encounter. That's what I need. So three people, different people said, hey, you ever heard of that Toronto Airport Church? And I said, hmm, Toronto Airport Church. Ah, uh, yeah, I think I've heard of that. I've heard some stuff going on there. But, uh, well, they said, you got to go there. You got to go there. So this is my first exposure to what God was doing in that. And many of you, some of you may not have been around that time or you weren't living in there, but God was moving. People were encountering Jesus, the real Jesus. They were encountering what? The peace of God, the joy of God, right? The love of God the forgiveness of God, the victory of God. So here's this situation. I remember as a pastor, I remember standing up in this line with all these other pastors, and I began to look down the line, and I started seeing dominoes. I see people falling down, and I'm going, what is this? And there they go. This guy just goes, or he blows on them, or he touches them, and boom, boom, boom. And I said, I don't know, but Lord, if this is you, I'm ready I'll take it. If this is you, and all of a sudden I'm on the on the ground. You gotta understand. So I brought my mom and my stepdad, and they're from a traditional church, and they're in the back, and they're watching this. They're watching this go on. They seeing me up, they're seeing me up there, and you know, all of a sudden they look, and here I am on the ground. I'm laid out, right? And I'm thinking to myself, this is amazing. I'm experiencing the peace of God. And everything that was overwhelming, all the stress, listen, listen, listen. All that stuff that was going on, because it was really like a weight on me with what was going on, it lifted. I'm serious. It lifted. Now, Jesus is a life giver. He is the peace. He even said, listen, I'm going to give you a peace when I leave nobody's going to be able to understand it. I mean, you know what I mean? You can be in a situation. Yeah, you know what I'm talking about. You can be in a situation that you don't even know where your next paycheck's coming from. But there's just this piece of people thinking, man, you got, like, what's wrong? Right? Or you're in a situation, come on. You might be in a situation where everything looks like nothing's going to turn out for good but you've got something going on inside of you. Come on, right? There's something going on in here, right? The greatest gift God gave us, the greatest treasure, Jesus Christ. Jesus, the hope of glory. And where is he? Where is he? Through the Holy Spirit. And I'm praying that the Holy Spirit's going to reveal this to you. That you're going to encounter him. Because it doesn't matter what I say, it's really what he says over you. You just read the word of God. I mean, in Matthew, let's just turn to Matthew, Matthew chapter 8. And I love this. And here we're just reading in verse 14 to 17. Before we do read that, here's what I want to say: is listen, when I went down on that ground. And I had the peace of God. I'm telling you, my mind was kind of like, because you gotta remember, I've got to remember, I've got this background in, in, in this traditional uh, thinking. And I'm thinking, this doesn't line up. This doesn't line up. But it's amazing. And you know what, guys? Let me say this. Religion without experience is dead. It's dead. Don't tell me you can't experience God. Don't give me that kind of hard watch. When you've seen the mountain, you'll never be at the mercy of the person that says it doesn't exist. And I've been to the mountain. I've been to the New Zealand mountains. And they exist. They're not just a bunch of Photoshop edited. They're real. And they're amazing. And they're amazing. Because you see, God created that. Some of us here, we need to get an encounter not with ourselves. We need to get an encounter with Jesus. We need that encounter because sometimes we get so full of ourselves, we can't even, Jesus can't even work through us, right? We got pride going on or whatever it is, and we need to humble ourselves. I remember that, like, in Brazil. It was the last night, October 27th, that night. And I remember getting up there again, and I was like, oh, God. I got to, you know, I'm speaking to these people. They just came off a 40-day fast. I need you Holy Spirit to show up. And so the the lady, the apostle lady, she shows up. She's praised. Next thing, you no, know, I'm down. I'm out for the count. I'm just on my knees. I'm just, "Oh God." And I remember having <clears throat> Oh, the microphone. I couldn't even use it. I couldn't. God said, "Don't. Don't you do that?" And I was ready and I had I knew what I was going to say, but God said, "No, you wait." And you wait. And so the other guy, there were two of us, and he was speaking for a while. That I remember was 20 minutes, 50 minutes, 20 minutes, I was under the power of God. But I'm telling you, man, I was like on my knees. I was just shaking. I just, I knew that God was just, his power was on me. And I couldn't even, even do anything. And it wasn't until probably about 20, and there's guys, you know, trying to, hey, come on up. No, man. Seriously. And there's other people, they're like, you think they're praying for you, but actually they're praying for the anointing that's on you. They're like, hey, I want some of that too. So I thought these people were praying for me, but I didn't know what was going on. So I'm here, I'm shaking, but I thought that was kind of funny. But the power of God was there, and again, it was like, oh man, this is what, this is what we, you know, we so much realize is that we, we, we get so busy or we get so rushed that we don't sit there and say, okay, I need that encounter. I need that encounter with Jesus, because Jesus wants to encounter you, right? The life, the resurrection. And it changes you. Listen, when you come in contact with Jesus, when you come in, there is something different about you. When I went back to British Columbia, so I went out with these elders, <clears throat> man, there was something different. There was a boldness now, right? And I said to these guys, I said, I'm, I'm going to leave because I got to do, this church has to be, this is what God's doing to me. And it was, are you crazy? Like you're going to leave a salary position? Now, obviously, women can understand. We know men, right? Women, they like that security, right? And so, you know, my wife had to realize, you know, we're leaving now. And so, as we're getting ready to leave, I'm going to tell you this. Again, only like this encounter with Jesus set me up for this. Mm. So I was willing to take that risk. I was willing to take that risk with a young family, four kids. Come on. It's not normal. It isn't normal. You take four children and just step out to a church that, you know, people have been praying for, but there's not a lot of, you know, no salary, nothing. So I had to leave that that paycheck, take that risk, and step out. And you know what? Here I am, right? And today there's a church that exists. That as people have been saved, that people have been delivered, today God has used that, that fruit, because of that. You see, when you encounter Jesus, something happens. You become this different person. Because you may be known as this one person over here, but as you encounter Him, something comes alive in you, and you begin to see that maybe those obstacles, I can overcome them. And maybe I'm not so, you know, when I listen to God, I'm not going to be so worried about what the world worries about. Isn't that what Jesus tells us to do? Come on. He says, don't do like the Gentiles do. Don't be like a worrying about where, you, you, I know, where you're going to get your next food, clothes, stuff like that, right? Now I'm not saying for you to just all go quit your jobs and let's go for it, go for it. but you have to hear God on this. So that's the key. You have to encounter Jesus and hear him for yourself, Right? And it's more than you can read a book, you can listen to a podcast, you can listen to a me- this message, but you know it isn't until you go and encounter him for yourself. And you begin to see what he can do in your life, in your family, in your situation. And you don't have to live at this low level. See when the darkness increases, we don't need to go hide in the closet. We don't. Come on. We don't need to do that. We don't know what to say. You know, there comes a time when that fire inside of you is going to come out. And maybe some people are not going to like it. It's true, right? Look at Kanye West. He put out that album. What'd they say? Oh, you know what? Uh, this album, Jesus is King, isn't going to go anywhere, man. You're crazy. You're going to ruin your career, Kanye. You're going to ruin your career because if you put that CD out, I mean, it was bold. I mean, it makes some Christian music, right, look like fluff because, um, I mean, really, when you look and listen to the songs, man, they're right out there, man. He's like, come on. Come on. He's telling it like it is. I've been listening to that like four times. Davey has to listen to it. He said that Jordan bought it too. And He says, I got to listen at home and now I got to listen to the truck. I said, that's good for you. It's good for you, Davey. And so, uh, but, but, um, so we go back to this and he said, no, you know what? It's crazy. So here he's taking the risk of his life. And he was, did start out as a gospel and, uh, singer, but he got messed up and all that. But praise God, God can do what, to, like what he did to Paul to him, right? I believe that my God is able. Come on. Is our God able? Is he able to take what you've got and in your life can he handle that? See, that's the problem sometimes. I got to fix it. Maybe I think I got to fix it. But he wants you to bring it to him because he can do a way better job. He can sure do a way better job. So here it is. I'm supposed to read this in Matthew. We're getting there. And uh, I want to read some, just this scripture here. But I just, I love this. It says When Jesus entered Peter's house, he saw his mother in law lying sick with a fever. So he touched her hand. Boom! Fever gone. She rose and began to serve him. Come on, Jesus said, "If we raise, if we put, or lay our hands on the sick, they're going to get healed." Right? Did He not say that? Okay. So here Jesus, and we're supposed to be like Jesus, right? So that evening they brought to him many who were oppressed by demons, and He cast out the spirits with what a word. You know, I love this about um, Jesus is that when it comes to um, the first thing you're supposed to do as a believer is what? Anybody? What's the first thing you're supposed to do? Get baptized? Is that the first thing you're supposed to do when you become a believer? Confess with your mouth, yes. Okay. Maybe I'll say the second thing. Believe, yeah, believe. You know what it is? Go and cast some demons out. Seriously. Go okay. So so come on, let's think about this for a minute. Let's, let's just kind of go down that road for a little bit because I, I want you to uh, you know follow me for just a little bit down this road. So I'm going to go... Let's say God said, okay, Lloyd, take, you know, I want you to go to the funeral home today. At 3 o'clock, there's a man that's dead. He's been dead for like two days. He's in that funeral home. I want you to show up there, and I want you to raise him. I want you to call back, call life into him. So I'm thinking, what am I going to do with this? So do I need to take a good band with me? Maybe bring a good band with me? Maybe I need all, maybe a good band, yeah. Yeah. We know where that's coming from. Okay, maybe, maybe, maybe a good band, okay? No, I don't, I don't think so. Okay, as, as that's good. We want to worship God. We do want to praise this God. Maybe a good communicator. Yes, a good communicator will do it. No, guys. Unless the Holy Spirit, unless Jesus shows up, and we have that belief within us. And that's who I'm going to take. I'm going to take some of you who believe that that God can do that today, not like back in Lazarus. Lazarus. I mean, that was an amazing story in itself because as God revealed Himself, Jesus says, "This encounter me, Martha. I am the resurrection and the life." She says, "Oh yes, I know you are. We're going to like you know later on be live, right?" But what she didn't realize was he meant. Hey, four days. I've given it four days. And you're going to see the glory of God. Because when the glory of God shows up, that darkness is going to begin to see. And as we see the darkness of creation, we're going to see the light. The light through us. right? We're going to encounter Jesus. We're going to encounter that joy, the peace, the love. I don't have to go into situations by myself. I know When I was in Brazil, that wherever we traveled, God was with us. And God, right, Jenny, when you were in Uganda, was God with you? Jim, Kathy, yes. And we were just talking about what God was doing in there. So here's the situation now. Now that we've talked about Jesus, who He is, the the bread of life, you know, the resurrection and the life, He gives hope, He gives healing. What's our response? And I thought about this, and and I was thinking, you know, about this, because this is really amazing. Turn with me to Luke chapter 7, verse 36. I love this part, because I thought to myself, what would it be like if Jesus showed up at my house? Yes. (laughs) I know. I know. That was right on key. Right on key. Oh. Jesus comes to my house. Jesus, you can have free access to my fridge. Jesus, I, I don't know that I would do that. And, and I think sometimes what I found even in myself is, is that there begs a response. When you begin to see who Jesus is, it doesn't matter <clears throat> when you come to praising God if you raise your hands and nobody else is raising them. You don't have to look at him and say, okay, well, they're not raising hands. Maybe I shouldn't raise my hands. No, you know what? It gets to the point where you don't really care about who and what and where because. Jesus has shown up at your house. Come on. And in this situation, and and, and as I read it at Simon's house, when Jesus shows up at Simon's house in Luke chapter 7, I began to ask myself, God, what is it like? You know, how much do I love you? Oh, come on. Like, seriously, I want to be on fire. Does anything else in my life matter more to me than you? Is anything more important in my life than you? Is my career more important than him? Is having people like me more important than you? And I began to ask myself, what, what kind of response? And I, I love this, the Pharisees. So here, you guys gotta, like, let's just dive into this one. One of the Pharisees asked him to eat with him. And he says, okay, I'm going to this Pharisee's house. He reclined to the table. And now all of a sudden, Behold, a woman of the city who was a sinner when she learned that he was reclining at a table in the Pharisee's house, so brought an alabaster flask of ointment. So she knows, she knows something about Jesus because all of a sudden she's willing to risk coming into a guy's house uninvited. She knows something, right? Like when I was right, when I had that encounter with God, I I was able now to approach things that I couldn't approach because God says, I have given you not a spirit of fear. 2 Timothy 1:7 I've given you what? Power, love, self-control, right? Sound mind. So here in this situation this lady, she's going to have an encounter with Jesus. She comes to the house uninvited. And and Simon he's thinking to himself, what's going on here? And standing behind him at his feet, she starts to cry, weeping. She begins to wet his feet with his tears, with her tears and wiped them with the hair of her head, and kissed his feet, and anointed them with the ointment. Wow. I'm just like, she's, she's just worshiping you, Jesus. She's just adoring you. Now when the Pharisee who had invited saw this, he said to them himself, if this man were a prophet, he would have known who and what sort of woman this is who is touching him, for she is a sinner. Oh, and does, does Jesus leave it at that? Does he leave it at that? I mean, here's this woman. I mean, I'm just looking at this situation. Come on, guys. We're all sitting in the house, and all of a sudden we're there, and this woman from the street, we know what she's been You doing. Know, we know her lifestyle. And she shows up, and she starts, you know, adoring Jesus and takes this alabaster, and they say that alabaster was a lot of money, and she just wasted. They say, but really, did she waste it? Did she waste it? When you come to church, are we wasting? No. No, we're here to meet Jesus. We're here to come together and encourage you. We're here. Why do we worship Him? Because we're here. We're here to adore Him. Have you been forgiven? Have you Have you had the peace? Have you tasted the peace of God in your life? Have you experienced joy when you know you shouldn't be joy? I mean, I experience laughing is what happens to me. When I get an encounter with God, I'll be like, (laughs) everything's going on. Oh, yes, but I'm laughing. Yeah, I'm laughing away. You're crazy. I know I'm crazy, but you know what? God is with me. Thank you, Jesus. Right? Sometimes, you know, I think we just got to realize all this stuff like trying to keep ourselves. And, I, and I'm wondering, you know, I, I know, I know myself. I think, oh man, who am I doing this? Am I doing it to impress you? I hope not. Am I doing it right? I'm doing this for Jesus, right? And we're going to see God working in this church here in a huge way. When we come together with a one mind, one soul, and one heart that says, Jesus, we want you to show up. We talk about him walking into the room, and when he walks into the room, when he comes into your house, are you going to sit there like Simon? And I thought this to myself: Am I going to sit there like Simon? No, man. I'm going to get there. And I'm going to kiss his feet. I'm going to do. I'm just going to come up there and I'm going to embrace Jesus because I know that life comes to him. Come on, Peter was in a situation. Remember Peter and the disciples when they had all the disciples and went out. I think it's I believe it's John chapter six. John chapter 6. So here they are, and Jesus starts saying, Listen, guys, I'm going to tell you something now. I'm going to get to really, really like intimate with you guys. You guys got to eat my flesh. Oh, man. Really? Oh, you're. What? Wait. Whoa, whoa, whoa. This is kind of hard. And it was. It was hard thinking. We know. We've done the communion for. But back then, Jesus says to you, Listen, you got to eat my flesh. You got to drink my blood. Or no life. And so these guys, like I think it was 78, I, I can't remember the total number, but these disciples said, okay, that's it. We're out of here. <laughs> this is like, wow, that's like a little over the over the hill. Like you expect us to really start to think. So here's what what I love. What I love, 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 love about this, and I'm praying that we too, as a church, as a people, wherever we go, when you when you know, wherever we take this message. This is it. This is it. Peter, are you going to leave me too, Jesus says. I mean, He's got 12 guys, man. 12 guys left. That doesn't sound like a lot, right? 12 guys, right? 12 guys to change the world, man. That's, but man, that's... I mean, I'm still thinking about that. 12 guys, and look what they did in three years. And, 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 and I, I believe each of these disciples, they encountered Jesus. They knew who he was. When you come to death, man... When you come to fear and stuff like that, God doesn't want us to live in fear. And when you encounter Jesus, you're gonna, you're gonna, it's gonna change you. It will change you. You're gonna be able to do things that you didn't even think you could do. But it's gonna be because of the Holy Spirit through you, and He's gonna reveal that to you. And you're gonna to start to lay down those idols because all those idols are like this that you're serving. They're not living. Right? They're false idols. So Peter says this, and I love this. I love his response to Jesus. Why would I leave you? Like, I'm, I'm, I'm ad libbing okay? I'm ad phrasing. This was Lloyd's version. But, uh, but just kind of say, he said, listen, 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 listen. Jesus, 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 you have the words of life. You breathe. Life comes out of you. Eternity. You breathe. Life. So if that is true, And if you are a believer, you have life within you. The problem is the head to the heart. I can know it up here, but do I know it down here? And am I willing to step out of what I know to experience? His? right? Am I willing to step out of what I know? Right to experience and do it. Right? 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 Amen. Amen. Oh man, you don't sound like you're convinced. Amen. Amen. I should do like Ryan or Bonky. Right? Amen. Amen. Anyways. So so Jesus says, you got, you got the word of life, man, and so like, you know, when it comes to life, you know, when everything's going down the drain and things are not working in my life, I'm not going to like, and the devil comes along and says, hey, you know what, you know, maybe Jesus is not what, no, you're coming to kill my family. That's what you're going to come to do. And you know, as a Christian, if you're, if you're a true believer, true follower, you got a bullseye on your back, just remember that. And you are in a battle, and you got a bullseye, and just remember this, that the devil will come along and say, you know what, doesn't look like it's working. Well, I'm not going to, do that, work for you. And look at, I love that in Kanye West's song. You know, remember that line? Does anybody remember that lyric when he says to the devil, I'm on strike? Come on, do you remember that line? I'm on strike. I'm not working for you anymore. Because you got what well, choice? You got to work for God or work for the devil. You can't, who are you working for? Who are you working for? Because if you're, if you're working for, you know, doing all that, you know, money and all that greed and all that, and you're living, you're not, you know, who are you working for? Who are you working for? I want to be like that woman, right? Okay, so here we are. Sinful woman. She comes in, and then he says, Okay, so Jesus doesn't leave it at that. Simon has something to say to you. And he answered, Say it, teacher. A certain money lender had to, and he goes on about basically, and, and most of you I think will know this, maybe not, but it's good for you to read. If you don't, just read on from 741. But he basically says, You know what? If you've been forgiven much, you know, you're going to love much. If you've been forgiven little, you're going to, you know, love little. And I said, Jesus, I, I know that you've forgiven me, man. There's so many things in my life. There's so many things that I, I don't even know if I could have made it this far in my life. I mean, I'm 58 years of age. Come on. So I've experienced life. And I've had, like, I've had close death calls. You know what kind of work I do. I don't have to tell you what work I do. You know what I, what I do for work, Right? So I've had that too. But he's kept me alive for a reason. And that reason is to worship him, to do the works, to be zealous for his works. He's kept me going. And he wants to do the same in you. But you got to stop listening to what the culture says. you got to stop listening to the voices. It's like this. You know what? Guess what? I don't really believe, David. That stone's going to kill me. (laughs) Ha, ha, ha. You come to me with a stone. Come on. Look at me. I'm huge. <laughs> look at me. I'm bigger than that, you know. Ooh, look at me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ooh, ooh, ooh. <laughs> Right? Come on. And it hits him right between the eyes. <laughs> and David's like, Thank you, Father. Right? Give me that sword, man. I'm chopping this guy's heads off. We're not going to have to hear his voice anymore. And then you know what's amazing? If you read through it, it wasn't just David. There were others that were inspired by what David did, and they went on and took giants too. If you read through the passages, you'll see that there were others that just, they they, they would describe these giants. And, And they would go against them too, right? And why? Why? Because they knew. And that's why Jesus says, Paul could say this. He said, Paul, and Paul, I mean, he was like, seriously, he had Gamaliel. I mean, he was really educated, wasn't he? I mean, Paul, Apostle Paul, right? He was really, like, he knew the books, right? He was pretty educated, wouldn't you say? Would you say he had a doctor's? I mean, if we today, like, would would you consider Apostle Paul? Yeah, doctors, like triple doctors, I don't know. What would you say? Like, but he would be really educated. Wouldn't we give, give Paul, Apostle Paul? I mean, he wrote, look at the books, come on, right? So, I mean, but God, all of a sudden, He encountered God, right? Encountered Jesus on the road to Damascus. Totally, totally transformed his life. And and in Philippians chapter 3, what does Paul say? He says, listen, nothing compares. Nothing compares. Nothing. I don't care. Give me, I'll give you a Lamborghini. No, no, that doesn't compare. I'll give you, uh, what do you want? Uh, You know what? Nothing, traveling the world doesn't compare. You know what? Nothing compares to the knowledge, to an encounter with Jesus. Nothing. He could say that. And he goes on and he says, I don't even want to say this, but this is who I am. I'm a Hebrew of the Hebrews. You know, if you read it, it's in Philippians, am I right? Philippians 3? Looking for, okay. Philippians 3, right? I think it's Philippians 3. But anyways, so, but you can go and you can see he starts naming off the list. You know? Won the Stanley Cup five times. Doesn't mean nothing. Right? And he was able to say this, he was able to say this because he encountered Jesus! He encountered him. He, man! Have you ever been like that? You're just like, oh! Oh, Jesus. Man, you're so good. We we sing about it but it should do something in you. It should cause me to worship God on my knee. I don't care who's here. If God says worship you in the middle of the mall and you go, okay, I'm going to do it. You know, I mean, really, come on. I mean, when we think about what he's done for us, right? How are we doing for time? What do I got to? We're ready for ministry, are we? I just want to say this one thing because this is so important for you to encounter Jesus. It's so, so good. You know, God was amazing what he did in Brazil. I mean, we experienced healings. We saw God heal people. Every night was different. I didn't know. And you know what? You know what was amazing, guys, seriously? Is they would say to us, you know, you guys will go to any church. We get guys from, and I won't name names, from North America that come here, and they they won't go to the smaller churches. They won't go unless the church is over 300. They won't come. And not only that, they, they won't do ministry with that, and they also want money. We were there. Like, well, we're going to go to Cuba too. And if you want to give to that, that would be awesome. Because, you know, when you're giving to Cuba, like these, these churches are poor. The pastors in, in Cuba, if, they have a, if they're a pastor, they, don't, they can't have an outside job. So that's the only way. And that's how they, they feed their people and stuff like that. So you have a choice by doing this. You remember the movie? Even if it's 20 bucks. 20 bucks. You give nothing? I mean, seriously, you're going to pack these people. I, I want to give money. Like, when I go to Cuba, I'm saying, like, I mean, because like, it's ready. We paid for ourselves to go to Brazil, and we had to pay our, for ourselves now to go to Cuba to do ministry. But I'm like, I want to give some money to these churches. Like Paul says, I want to gather in some funds, right, to give these guys. Say, hey, here's 300 bucks. Uh, use it for the, for the church. Use it to feed people because they're really, I don't know if anybody knows what's going on with the embargo and stuff like that. So I'm just throwing that out there. If God triggers your heart and you say, hey, you know what? I want to donate to that. Even if it's 20 bucks, guys, it can go a mile, right? Like there. So I'm just throwing that out there. But I want to say this is that, you know, uh, I'm going to share this story here. I got to share this because this is something I really wanted to share. And it's such an awesome story. And Davey's a part of it. So Davey, and, and he's going to love it because he was right. So we were in Cambridge and uh, so this uh, church, it was really an old, old church. Do uh, you remember what it was, Davey? What was the church's name? Was it a United or do you remember what it was? Oh, was it Presbyterian? Okay. So anyways, we are there, Presbyterian, and uh, this guy is showing us some trees on their property. And then we see this church and it's so old. And we thought, man, this is amazing. Like the architecture, can, can, you, can we at least see the church? And he says, okay. So we come into the church and all of a sudden, and seriously, I mean, this is like, we're going backwards, I mean, 1800s maybe, but there is a sign at the front of the church, and it's like right where the choir loft is, and it says, Holy of Holies. So Davy, and there's, you know, this other older guy showing us around, the street, and Davy goes into the Holy of Holies. I'm like, looking at his, I don't think we're getting this job, because Davy just went into the Holy of Holies, Right? <laughs> Now you, come on, we know about the Holy of Holies, right? Okay, the Holy, for those of you who don't, Holy of Holies was an inner room in the sanctuary and in the tabernacle, okay? Where the Ark of the Covenant. And Yom Kippur, which is once a year, they would atone for the sins, okay? And the only person that could was the high priest that could go in to this room. And he had to do the incense thing, so it, like, you know, he couldn't see the presence because the presence of God would come. didn't want to see God because you're dead right, because God's holy. And so Davy went into the Holy of Holies. Oh, man. Because you know, got to understand, this guy's mindset is still like, and I was like, and Davy knew I wanted to really just explain to this guy and tell him. But, um, so he's in the Holy of Holies. And the guy says, you're not supposed to go up there. But he didn't die. Thank you, Davy's still here. But, um, but what I want to say with this, listen, what I want to say with this is that when you encounter Jesus, Jesus, the greatest sacrifice ever, and if you don't know Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, this is the moment. This is the moment to let you know that every sin, just like that woman that came into that room, every sin, Jesus, what did Jesus say to her? He says, I forgive you, because she had faith enough to to realize that Jesus was the one that took the sins upon himself. He hadn't died yet, but she knew. That, and, and they would say, who's Jesus? That he? And then the, the, uh, Simon was like, who's Jesus that he can forgive? Yes, because he paid with his own body. The, the stripes on his back, his body was so mangled. I mean, we make Jesus look like some you know, nice person, but man, it was that cross was not nice at all. And so Jesus, on that time when he died on the cross, there's this huge curtain in the Holy of Holies. Okay? Beautiful curtain, thick curtain. You know, on that day, the Holy of Holies, only the high priest could go in there. We couldn't. Davy did, but that wasn't the Holy of Holies. So, but you know what? Jesus, that day, I would have loved to have been there to see that, that when that, when Jesus died on the cross, the top of the curtain to the bottom ripped. And that curtain was done. <laughs> wow. I mean, isn't that amazing that, wow. So now you, because of Jesus, can come to the Father. Because Jesus made it possible. Isn't that amazing? So what I'm trying to say here is that I don't want anyone here to leave who doesn't know Jesus. Because you're only guaranteed today. But Jesus says, listen, if you come, come to me. Don't come to religion. Come to relationship." That's what's going on in this world. I've seen it in Brazil. I'm seeing it. You say, yeah, the darkness is increasing. Yes, but let me tell you something. People are awakening to relationship with Jesus, not to religion. Because if they do religion, they are like zombies. It's a ritual. Let's go to some of the churches around here and you see a lot of people. It's just a ritual. And rituals do not save you. Only Jesus Christ of Nazareth can save your soul. He is the only one that can give you forgiveness. And if you're here and you don't know Jesus, it's one of the best decisions you can ever make. And so I'm letting you know, let me get somebody up here on worship. We're going to do some ministry. I'm going to give you an opportunity. This is your day. You need to encounter Jesus. Maybe you need to encounter His peace. Maybe you need to encounter His joy. Maybe you need to encounter His forgiveness. Because your life is so messed up, you know what? You can't see through the fog. And and it's only because Jesus is not with you. And and the only way he can be with you is you have to come to him. Because he's not going to, like, you know, he's already coming to you, but you've got to, like, he's knocking at the door. I want intimacy with you. I love that about Jesus. He chases us. He's chased me, man. I, I haven't always been close to him but he keeps chasing me. He puts me in situations where I just, I need you, Jesus. And I'm learning, learning and more and more to trust in him. And I believe there are those of you here who need to step out. you stop, got to stop figuring things out for yourself. and You need to say, Jesus, you know what? It's time I let you